Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Blessed is he who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, There was a certain man who prepared a great banquet and invited many people. At the time of the banquet, he told his servant to go out and tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I just bought a field and was about to go see it. Please excuse me. The second one said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and was on my way to go try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant went back to his master and reported this. Then the owner of the house became angry and said, Go out into the streets and alleys and bring back the blind, the crippled, the lame, the poor. Sir, the servant replied, What you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told the servant, Go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Aaron. Welcome. My name is Keith, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Every two or three weeks, we we do something where we, we... I ask you to get in small conversation groups, uh, groups of, you know, three or four people. And I, and I do this so that you can have an opportunity to kind of break the ice and get to know each other. So here's what I'd like for you to do. Um, turn to just a handful of folks around you, hopefully that you don't know, and introduce yourself. And then I want you to answer this question. It's an easy question. What is your favorite thing about parties? What do you love about going to parties? Okay, so turn. I'm going to give you about 90 seconds to have that conversation. How many of you, how many of you said your favorite thing about parties was the food? Right, that's about 99% of us. How many of you said uh, the people? Okay, some of you have answered twice now. You can't have two favorites. You know, when people talk about Jesus, often they'll talk about his miracles. Um, you know, he walked on water, which wouldn't that be cool to do? He, he fed thousands of people from a, a little boy's lunchbox. He, you know, healed, uh, the, he made, made the blind to see and, and the, the lame to walk and he cleansed lepers. He did awesome stuff and people love to talk about the miracles of Jesus. Or when people talk about Jesus, they talk about his stories and, and his teaching and, and how, how he really connected with people. And sometimes the stories, you know, you could identify yourself in the stories, but then sometimes the stories really made you think. And, and so people love to, to talk about his teachings. I've heard people talk about a lot of things in relation to Jesus, but what I don't recall ever hearing somebody focus on 
was the fact that Jesus went to a lot of parties. Do you know that? If you read through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you will see that Jesus went to a lot of parties. And what that says to me is that if you decide to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to learn how to be a party animal. You do. I don't know where it happened, but somewhere along the line, somehow people got the idea that, that faith and fun were mutually exclusive. But that idea didn't come from Jesus. Because what I need you to hear is that that if faith has destroyed the fun in your life, that's not faith. That's religion. Jesus doesn't tell us not to party. In fact, Jesus assumes that we will party. And so he tells us how to party. In fact, when you read the Gospels, you'll see that a lot of the conversations Jesus had were at parties or about parties. And when you come to follow Jesus, there are a number of things that you need to learn. And one of those things is you need to learn how to party well. We're in this series called Love Where You Live, where we've been talking about neighboring and, and taking the, the great commandment seriously. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And, and we've talked about the fact that you can't do the first part without doing the second part. That the love God part and the love your neighbor part must go hand in hand. And so we've been talking in this series about various ways that we can love our neighbors well. And what I want us to to appreciate this morning is that one way that we can love our neighbors well is to party with them. Go to parties with them. Invite them to parties at your home. What I want us to do this morning is I want us to talk about some party theology so that we will know how to party like Jesus partied. There's a a place in the Gospel of Luke where um, that Aaron recited for us where Jesus was at a party and he's looking at all the people at the party and how they're interacting and he, he recognizes that they're not engaging properly the way that you should at a party. And so first, the first thing he does is he tells them how to act when you're invited to a party. And then second, he tells them how to throw a party. So this is in Luke chapter 14. Jesus is at this party. And this, this occurs just before the verses that Aaron recited for us. This is beginning in verse 7. When he, Jesus, noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. He told them this story. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, to a party, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat, not where you want to be. 
then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, I know this may be hard to imagine, but when you are at a party, the most important person in the room may not be you. Just saying. In fact, Jesus says, assume that you are not the most, in person, most important person in the, in the room. And I think for the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that were sitting around Jesus, that this was hard for them to hear. Jesus says, when you go to a party, go with humility. I think what that means is go to serve. Don't go to be served. Go to serve. Don't go to be something. Go to do something. Don't go to be honored, but go to do the honoring. I did a wedding this weekend, and the on Friday night, we had the rehearsal dinner, and it was at a very nice restaurant, and they had a private room set up for us, and there was a, a table that long table that would seat about 40 people. And the, the bride and groom were rightfully positioned, you know, um, on the, in the middle of the table and the two seats next to each other facing the, the doors where the guests came in. And so I come into the room and they said, Keith, sit anywhere you, you like at the table. We don't have any, you know, assigned seats. At, and so I'm thinking, you know, I don't really know anybody who's going to be here except the bride and groom. And so I'm going to sit across from the bride and groom so that I can have conversation with them. And then this text comes to mind. And I'm thinking, that may not be my best idea. So I saw a woman seated at the, at the end of the table. And so I went down and sat next to her, and as the guests came, came in, um, more people joined us down there. And then the best man and his wife came in, and the bride and groom said, Oh, Alex, Mariana, you guys sit across from us. I was thinking, that could have been really bad for me. But what happened in the course of the evening is... I had a wonderful conversation with these people at the end of the table. And we had this great conversation about their faith journey and my faith journey and and how Jesus fits into transcendental meditation. And, and, you know, it was fascinating. But I, I got to open myself up to people in, in a way, serve them, if you will, because I chose a place of less honor and I wasn't humiliated, <laughs> which is a good thing. See, what Jesus is saying is, when you go to a party, if you want to be a good party guest, go to serve. Go with a a mindset of humility, a mindset of service, a mindset that you are going to be the one doing the honoring. 
And then what, what happens when you do that, you will be amazed at the, the opportunities that the Lord opens for you to, to have influence in other people's lives as you open your life to them. That's what Jesus is saying in this. So after he, he talks about going to a party with, with humility and, and um, with an attitude of service, he shifts to how to throw a party. It says in verse 12, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, when you give a party, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they, might be, they may invite you back and, and you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, when you give a party, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. When Jesus is describing this party... This person next to sitting at the table with him couldn't help himself but to recognize that the party Jesus is describing is the kingdom of heaven because there's people from, from all of these different walks of life, people who are generally seen as outcasts, people who are on the margins, they're in there. What Jesus is saying is not, when you have a party, don't invite your friends. Don't invite your relatives. What he's saying is, look beyond that. That we should see people not as, as people to network with or to use for our agenda, but we should go beyond networking to love. We should open our lives, open our circles and invite people in who are, who are on the margins, who are, who are different from us, that, that we might be able to connect with them in humility. You know, there are, are people who everyone likes, and everyone likes to be around. You know those kind of people? And, and you like to be around them because they're fun, they're engaging. And, and you go to parties and you see people gather around them, but almost always you'll see that person that's kind of behind them and off to the side, who's alone. You'll see it downstairs in coffee hour. Well, I have groups of people, and you look, if you look across the room, there's that one person that's standing over there. What Jesus is saying is being a friend to people who have friends is really not that big a deal. Being a friend to people who need friends, that's a big deal. And that's what our mindset should be. Open your circle, open your life, make room in your life for people that you would never love except that you have come to know the love of God. And you know, that's one of the beautiful things about the church. Um, I mean, we can criticize the church for a lot of things, but just look around. 
There are people in here that you would not associate with except for Jesus. Right? That's what the church does. That's what Jesus does. You see, Jesus, when we come to Jesus, Jesus brings us to come to each other. And Jesus eliminates the lines of race and color and and economics and education. You see, what Jesus does is he tears down all of those lines and he brings us together so that we can accept people on the margins, so that we can love people on the margins. So open your circle. If you are on the far left and you watch CNN, open your life to people who are on the right, who watch Fox. I didn't say they were right. I said they're on the right. All right? And if you're a Fox news watcher, open yourself to the CNN news watchers. We need to open our circles. Open our lives. This is supposed to be the natural outcome of what happens when we enter into a relationship with Jesus. You see, we open our lives to people that we would never be open to except for the fact that Jesus was open to us. We open our lives to everyone so that they might see the love of God in us and might open themselves up to God himself. Now you might think, well, my friends aren't open to God. How do you know that? It might be that you've been inviting them to the most uh, boring and bizarre expressions of religion imaginable. Don't invite your friends to a 27-hour prayer meeting. I don't want to go to that. Invite them to a party. There's a guy that Jesus opened his circle to, his name is Levi, and he was, he was an unexpected choice because he was a tax collector. And I know this is hard to imagine, but in the time of Jesus, people hated the IRS. I know, I know. It's hard to imagine, but in Jesus' day, the IRS was corrupt. And, and tax collectors... People hated them because they would leverage the power of of Rome in order to um, take in exorbitant taxes from their own people and, and, you know, oppress their own people so that they could live lavish lifestyles. And so people hated tax collectors. But Jesus chooses one of them to be in a circle. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 27, it says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. I love that. This tax collector left it all to follow Jesus. Verse 29, then Levi held a great banquet. He threw a party for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. See, Levi threw a party and he invited all of his tax collector buddies and some other folks, some other unsavory folks, 
who would hang out with them because only unsavory folks would hang out with tax collectors. So at this party, you had tax collectors and Jesus. And Levi didn't throw the party for himself. He threw it for Jesus because he understood that he was the intersection between everybody he knew that would never be open to God and the God who was open to everybody. And so it was through him that people had opportunity to come to know God. The Pharisees were looking on. They didn't like it. Verse 30 says, But the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, I don't think the Pharisees were invited to this party. Because they're like so many people who are religious. They just suck the joy out of life. Verse 31 Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Essentially, Jesus is telling the Pharisees, dudes, this is exactly what I want. Look at Levi. He opened his circle and he invited everyone he had influence with so that he could introduce them to me. And friends, that's what Jesus wants of us. He wants us to open our lives to everyone and help them to experience the love of God that we have experienced. I wonder how many of us have been intentional with our neighbors? How many of us have been intentional with the person across the hall or person next door or the person above or below us? How many of us have been intentional with them, opening our circle, inviting them over so that just maybe they might see in us a life that would introduce them to the God who loves them and created them? Friends, we need to be good at throwing parties. We need to open our lives and our doors and bring people in. So back to Luke 14. Jesus is not unrealistic about what might happen if you open your life, if you open your circle, if you open your door and you invite people in to a party and then you begin a conversation about Jesus. Jesus understands that you might find some resistance. Verse 16, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet, a party, and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Have you ever invited somebody to something and and you knew they were making an excuse? I always know when somebody's making an excuse because if it's a reason, they only have to give you one. If it's an excuse, they give you several, right? Man, I can't come. I broke my leg. Okay. Or, man, I can't come because I broke my leg and there's work on the queue line and the dog ate my homework. And, you know, they just give you this litany. Well, these guys are making excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. 
please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. What amazes me is that 2,000 years later, the excuses are still the same. Places to go, things to do, people to see, right? First guy says, I just bought a field. He was in real estate. I just bought a field and I got to go see it. I got a place to go. Second guy says, I just bought five yoke of oxen. He's got his BMW and he's got to go try it out. I got things to do. And I love the third guy. He said, I just got married and can't come. He wasn't allowed to go. I'm just saying, if you're single that first year of marriage, you can't do anything. All right. I think what Jesus is saying is let people say no for themselves. So often we project on people their disinterest in God, our fear, which James talked about last week, causes us to end up saying no for people without even giving them a chance. Give them a chance. They may make excuses, but don't let the the excuses discourage you. We have to have more love than they have excuses. Our love needs to outdistance our fear. Too often we assume that people aren't interested in God, but the reality is that just maybe if we don't say no for them, even if they say no once or twice, there still may be a desperate yes somewhere underneath. There are people all around us who are desperate to find meaning. They're, They're desperate to find purpose. They're desperate to find community, to find love. Yes, even to find God. So don't say no for them. And even those people who tell us, I'm never going to believe in God, our response to them needs to be, that's okay because I'm always going to believe in you. If you're here this morning and you're just kind of checking out the Christianity thing, what What I need you to hear from me and from us is that you don't have to believe to belong. We would love for you to believe in the wonder of Jesus. We would love for you to to believe in the love of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus and the freedom that Jesus offers. But even if you don't, we're going to believe in you. And we're going to love you no matter what. And we're going to come alongside of you no matter what. And we're going to keep showing you who Jesus is. Um, so welcome. We need to reach out to people, to our neighbors and invite them into our lives to let them know that we care about them. And the more they know that you care about them, the more open they will become 
to spiritual conversations. Just like me sitting at the end of the table with people I didn't know. Now, granted, I'm a pastor and they kind of expect that out of me, but... um, Jesus goes on, verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I love this. The master says, if you keep getting no's, go find other people. Even if you keep getting no's, don't be discouraged because there's somebody within your sphere of influence who eventually is going to say yes. So you just keep inviting and inviting and inviting and people may give excuse after excuse after excuse, but at some point, somebody's going to say, yeah, I'll come to your party. The master says, go back out and keep inviting. Why? So that my house may be full. The master cared. The master cared that his house would be full. Do you think God cares if his house is full? You bet he does. And his word to us is go back out and keep inviting and inviting until we've got a full house. He says, go to the lanes and roads, go wherever you need to go and compel them to come in. And I love that word compel. He's he's saying, do what you need to do to show them love. Friends, you don't compel people by forcing things on them. You don't compel people by condemning or, or judging or coercing. You compel people by living a life that is so fully alive, they want to know what you got because they want it to. You compel people with love. You compel people with hope. You compel people with faith. You compel people when you live a life where everything seems to be crashing down around you and still, for some reason, you've got joy. For some reason, you've got purpose. For some reason, you've got hope. What is that? When they can't explain it, that's compelling. We need to change people's perspective that faith is all about seriousness and sadness, that it's morose and mundane and boring. We need to help people see that faith and fun go together. We need people who are filled with joy and laughter and celebration, people filled with life. As followers of Jesus, we need a new reputation We need to become party animals, just like Jesus. See, when Jesus rose from the dead, his followers started meeting all the time to celebrate life. And when we come together every week, this should be a party in here. It should be a party. 
And sometimes I look at you guys and you're like, that's not a party. We, the reason we sing, the reason we clap, the reason we shout, the reason we laugh is because it's a party. And we're celebrating the life that we have in Jesus. We should never settle for less than that. And we should never settle for this is enough. Because God wants everyone to experience that life. There's always room for more. And anyone who does not believe this doesn't understand how Jesus thinks because Jesus was always saying, keep inviting, keep keep inviting because I want my Father's house to be full. And friends, that's not about filling up our church. That's about filling up the kingdom of God. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a project. This series ends the week of October the 29th. And that week, the small group curriculum will end. So hopefully most of you are in small groups and you've been talking about how to love neighbors well and different things. And we're talking about how to get to know our neighbors and and all that stuff. What I want you to start planning now is a party for either the week of November 5th or the week of November 12th. And this is a Levi party. This is not a party where you're going to invite all your church friends. This is not a party where you're going to invite your small group. This is a party where you're going to invite the person who lives across the hall from you. Or the person who lives next door to you. Or the person who lives below you or above you or down the block. Or or that's somewhere in your neighborhood that you connect with frequently. This is a party, this is a Levi party because you're the intersection between everybody who's far from God, who's not open to God, to the God who's open to everybody. And I want you to be thinking, who who are those three or four or six or 10 people that I could invite? And this this isn't an evangelism party. All right, you're not going to put the four spiritual laws on their plate. This is a let's get to know each other party. Let's start building a relationship party. Let's I'm going to open my circle to you party so that in the course of our relationship maybe you're going to see the life that is in me and you're going to say I want what you have. See, that's where love goes beyond fear. So that's my, that's my assignment for you. If you're here this morning and you didn't know that God was actually the source of life and joy and celebration, well, He is. The reason we laugh, the reason we sing, the reason we can get any enjoyment out of life is because God has wired us for that. And when Jesus 
stepped into human history when he was crucified and buried and raised from the dead. He didn't do that just to set you free from all the negative stuff. He did that to enable you to step into the fullness of life. Jesus replaces despair with hope. He replaces fear with courage. He replaces emptiness with meaning. And one of the beautiful things about Jesus is he teaches us how to live. He fills us with joy and shows us how to party. Let me pray for us. Lord, I'm so thankful for the way that you've wired us. That you've wired us to smile. You've wired us to laugh. You've you've wired us to, to want joy. Because in wanting all of those things, what we need to come to realize is, is what we want is you. Because you are the source of all of that. So I pray, Lord, this morning that that those of us who know you would step more fully into that. And those who who may be looking for that, I pray that today they might come to know you. And Lord, I, I just ask that as a community of faith, we would be purveyors of joy. We would be purveyors of love, purveyors of hope. And that because of the life that we live, people might look at us and find you. I pray this for your name's sake.